Cookies. Number one song in the streets right there. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to Fresh Cookies, our second episode. Thank you for giving me a second chance. If you're not on Instagram, go follow it at Fresh Cookies Show. On Twitter, it's Fresh Cookies Pod. Don't ask me why. I mean, I guess you can kind of connect the dots. The pod stands for podcast. But that's a whole that's a whole nother issue. Not the pod standing for podcast, just there weren't to put fresh cookies show would have been too many letters technically, so this is what I'm dealing with. But good news. Looks like we're getting hockey back. Before that, I have to show my appreciation for the Last Dance documentary. It was amazing. I laughed. I cried. I grew a little. But that's just straight up good storytelling right there. Five weeks of greatness. A very Jordan move. Also, before we start this, I just want to say I hate wearing hats on camera, but... It's been like three months without a fade, so. Cut me a break. Also, shout out my PR shirt. Got the PR shirt. That's the motherland right there. Get at me, dog. But that last dance, though. That last dance, though. It was good. If you enjoy basketball, which if you don't. I don't know. Um, <laughs> this has never happened before. But now nah, we'll, we're going to. I wrote some things I wanted to address. And, you know, it's been just about over a week since the last episode premiered. But I wanted to make sure all the clout was in. Like, you know, all the interviewees kind of cleared their name, said what was BS. And we'll get into that. This big-ass tongue got me slurring my shit. Well, how big is it? I don't know, man. Big enough to trip over. But we're going to start with episode one. And let me say, I like that they premiered them in pairs. Not the fruit, but just as good. Anyway. I thought the first two episodes were kind of boring. It was a lot of Michael Jordan highlights, which I'm not I'm not complaining. They're great to watch. It it's just you know, we kind of know the story by now. And let me say, him getting cut by the varsity team in his freshman year, not the end of the world, not the way they make the whatever, the whatever I'm just, it's going to drive me crazy. What's the name of it? What's the name of the commercial? I don't want to look it up. I want to find out on my own. Damn. The iconic commercials. This is going to drive me crazy. I'll, I I want to say it's become legendary. I'll, I'm going to look it up. I That's my guess. I'm going to look it up right now become legendary air jordan yup gotta love being right 
It's the small victories. But anyway, yeah, him getting cut by the varsity team his his freshman year. Not not as odd or as messed up as you think. It's not like he didn't play at all. <laughs> he just he had to wait a year. But if 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 you'll learn anything from this documentary, it's not only was was he arguably and we'll 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 do a top five at the end and I want to hear from you guys your top five of all time, dead or alive. And that's just off one LP. But um Jada Kiss. Um Yeah, but we'll, we'll yeah, I wanna hear your top five. I'm gonna give a top five at the end of this segment. But yeah, when I first saw them, the first two episodes kinda boring, not gonna lie. With that being said, for the sake of this conversation, we'll just go through them. Episode 1, Phil Jackson signed to his last year. That whole scenario between him and Jerry Krause is mind-blowing. I mean, not only for the fact that you're telling Phil Jackson that he's going to get the boot, but the fact that you would start a season off like that. The nerve. And a lot of it. Just bad for business. What are some other things I wrote down? Um, Oh, (laughs) the production assistant in the first episode getting denied for the autograph in in, uh, Paris, which the whole Paris sequence was dope. I loved it. But that that really stood out to me that I thought that was funny. It was crazy, though. I mean, also, the nerve. It's, uh, It's a rookie mistake, dude, but... Whatever, it's over in Europe. I'm like, they don't get the NBA. Let them have fun. All right, then we start getting into the college career. And one of my favorite quotes might be my favorite quote from the first episode. I'm sure there's some other ones that people are like, what, you left this out? I'm like, I, off off the dome, this was like one of my favorite moments in the entire docuseries, 10-part documentary, whatever terminology you want to use anyway my favorite quote from the first episode was from current unc head coach roy williams he would he was an assistant at the time that michael was at unc under dean smith the legendary dean smith you know shout out the tar heels but uh these days i'm i'm rolling with duke i know i i uh I switched to the dark side, but I don't know. I gave UNC a try and uh, just didn't work out. All right. Just didn't work out. Moving along. Anyway, Roy Williams, he takes the cake in the first episode. I just love it because one, it's true, but uh, you could tell it's just genuine emotion because he got that kind of relationship with him. He said, Michael Jordan, the only player I know that could turn it on and off. And he never freaking turned it off. That that stare he does. That's it. That's what did it for me. Real talk right there. So, yeah, they go through the college career. Then they show him in the Olympics. Not the Dream Team Olympics, but the 80 shit. Bob Knight. <laughs> the legendary Bob Knight. 
said, best basketball player I've ever seen play. I know it seems stupid, but I'm like, yo, that's a that's a high compliment from a from a college coach right there. I'm like, this dude threw a chair at someone. Not at someone, but the fact that he threw a chair on the court. <sighs> He's passionate about the game, damn it. So yeah, then that leads into his rookie season with the Bulls in 84, selected third overall. Oh, and going back to what I said before, I kind of lost my train of thought. Like, Jordan, at the end of this, easily the, like, King Petty. King of the Pettylings. And we'll get into that, but... Yeah, gets Maddie selected third overall. In all honesty, I mean, in terms of what Portland needed... I don't, I don't find the decision for them to go for Sam Bowie that mind-blowing. Anyway, he's going to use that as fuel his first year in the league. And Oh, and they did a great job of flipping back from 98 to all these, I don't know, all the previous years. Oh, and it cuts back to Phil Jackson in the locker room with the playbook. Right before they take the court to start the 97-98 season. And he coins the term for the last season. The last dance. Bomb, bomb. Bomb, bomb. He said the title. He did. But it was still pretty cool. Then they had the Alan Parsons project. You know, the... Serious or the the intro to Eye in the Sky. And it was badass. I'm like, I was hyped that there was another episode right after it. I'm like, I don't know if I could have take having to wait another week after watching that closing. Or maybe I could have. I'm just being dramatic, but you know. Episode two starts getting sad. Scotty Pippen's woes. As much as I wanted to hear them. We're already sad with all this coronavirus shit going on. But they did do Scottie Pippen dirty. I mean, you you kind of... You've kind of known what the deal is. But just the way it's brought out in this particular situation is really bad. <sighs> really bad to say the least. I like that they got Bill Clinton in there. Like, he was the, uh... I guess he is kind of like an official representative of uh, Arkansas. I don't know too many other people um, from the Razorback State. But interesting. Interesting. And I I guess... I guess necessary interview. He was the president during this time. Episode 2 notes. Uh, Charles Oakley, still a dickhead. Always a dickhead. Gotta love him, though. Character of the game. One of the best enforcers ever. I love that ish. I'm like, Charles Oakley bullying Scottie Pippen. Like, that's why I'm like, bro, I was on your side with the whole Dolan throwing you out of the garden thing. But I'm like, you probably had some of it coming to you. Anyway, Charles Oakley, New York York Knicks legend. Still a dickhead nonetheless. 
Moving along, Scotty underpaid. He waited till after summer to get surgery, and I am not mad at him. I'm like, Michael felt some type of way, and I get it. He did kind of, he kind of was selfish for, I guess, waiting till the summer to get his surgery, so he would have to miss a couple months of the season of the of the start of the season. But they sucked without him, and I guess he made his point that he was like, man. <laughs> Big wheels keep on turning. I'm turning the wheel. Like, I know Jordan's scoring, but I'm like, Scotty's a body out there. And I'm like, I'm glad they sucked the start. I'm like, he deserved that. I'm like, he deserved that that little petty reward. Yeah, they stink. They stink. Oh, and then they show the Boston Celtics at the end. And then it's... All right, episode three. Doug Collins is a great coach. He was. Shit, he had the Bulls a an invisible franchise in a very populated city that had a rich history of basketball. He had it thriving because they started to win. I'm like, their team looks sexy. And I'm like, he was enabling Michael Jordan. It was great to see. I, I, I almost had no idea that it was like that. That, like, Jordan had, like, a tremendous amount of respect for Doug Collins. I'm like, I thought they were just kind of, like, like, Jordan played for him, but that was just kind of, like, the beginning of his career. To see the relationship that they had, that was awesome. The end of the second episode, though, I mean, Celtics kicked ass in the 80s. I'm like, it was a shame what happened to Len Bias. Screwed us for many years to come. And I'm like, the Lakers were just eating it up, and now they're they're one behind us. It's awful. It's, it's terrible. I'm like, no child should have to see that Laker yellow and purple. It's gold. It's yellow. Old peanut butter and jelly looking ass. But yeah, Celtics had a they they had a stranglehold on the league there for a while, and I'm like, it hardened and made the bad boy Pistons so. Shout out the Boston Celtics. But the Pistons were whooping the Bulls ass. I'm like, Jordan hated Isaiah Thomas. And they were playing against Rodman. I'm like, Rodman was giving it to him. I'm like, and the way he was doing it, I'm like, I'm surprised you even jo- like had got to join the squad later. But they obviously had like a tremendous amount of respect for him. And rightfully so, because Dennis Rodman shined in this documentary. <laughs> and I was very happy about it. But yeah, the the Bulls hire Phil Jackson. He becomes the coach. Awesome. Another New York Knicks legend. And then right there, look, Dennis Rodman. Dennis Rodman's on the on the squad. You know, we kind of uh we get a little deep dive into Dennis's past and and it's rough. He was homeless and all that. But um when it jumps back to, to 98, it looks like I, I want, yeah, I'm assuming it, it was 98. Um, no, it was because I wrote down Robin goes to Vegas after Pippen returns because he had like depression. I mean, I'm not, I'm not making that face because he had depression. It's just, this is like, this is crazy. This is like a soap opera. <laughs> I, I knew Robin was wild, but. I I didn't uh, I I wasn't prepared for 
what came next when it says that, uh, well, I said, but I just wasn't prepared to, to see the whole him going to Vegas sequence. All right. Episode four, Robin goes missing in Vegas. This was even crazier and shout out the very fine Carmen Electra who looked good back then, but still killing them in the streets. But yeah, Robin goes missing with her, which really ain't all that bad. But it's bad if you're the Bulls. Like, what? You didn't show up to practice for over 90 hours? What? I hate to sound like a broken record, but that's crazy. That's how you know no one's listening to you during a conversation. When you just get a whole bunch of, that's crazy. Like, you weren't listening to me. But yeah, you know, Michael goes to Vegas to get Dennis Rodman. And... They kind of assumed that he would be all out of shape because he was gone for, I don't know, like four days, I guess. And they start doing Indian sprints. And he takes off. He proves them wrong. He's still in shape. Yeah, I was drinking and, and doing mad drugs, but I literally still run this piece. And then we dive into Phil Jackson's backstory. And right off the bat, he's just like, yeah, I dropped acid. What of it? I welcome dangerous company. I'm like, damn, this dude don't care. And he's from North Dakota. He might have a body. But yeah, he's like, yeah, I drop acid. Let's have some fruit snacks. And then we learn that Tex Winter made the triangle offense. My whole life has been a lie. I thought Phil Jackson made it up. It still worked, though. So, I mean, I don't know. Oh, and then I love that right after they get beat by the Pistons montage when the Bulls are just lifting weights like right after the season. Michael's getting bigger. Gotta move stronger. Gotta move harder. Or I'm sorry. Gotta move harder. Gotta move smarter. I'm losing it. Oh, and then then the infamous the infamous debate that's going on. Well, I guess went on. It's still going on. About uh about the bad boy Pistons leaving without shaking the Chicago Bulls hands. I will tell you firsthand, I really don't care about this. I mean, back then, sportsmanship was so dead. I mean, obviously, I love the Celtics, but that, that Kurt Rambis joint when he got, I don't even know what you call it, like a, a behind-the-head clothesline, I'm like, dirty. Yeah, Michael was definitely, he was definitely tight about Isaiah Thomas not shaking hands. And I, I mean, I guess rightfully so, but at the same time, it's like, you just whoop their ass. You don't, you don't really need to get that mad. And they were just like, well, we felt like they owed it to us. I'm like, right there. I'm like, don't have expectations. It's how you always get hurt. <laughs> I'm like, just what, like, just beat their ass, and that should be good enough. And I'm like, if that is the case, confront, dude. Like, you're going to see them, like, probably in the summer. But I'm like, if the hate runs that deep that you don't even want to work out with them, can't do nothing for you. Episode 5, arguably my favorite episode, but I guess I'll get into that at the end. But episode five, that 98 All-Star game, it was, it, it was almost like heaven, basically heaven. 
I mean, you look at you look at the, I mean, you look at that team, the environment. You're in Madison Square Garden. God bless. This is exactly the the note that I that I wrote down here. Kobe. It's the Kobe episode. It, it it's got to be one of the best episodes in the series. That was just so depressing to. Depressing and 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 nice to watch. Uh, it's it's literally insane though, because you would have swore the the way just like the premiere for us to be watching it. I'm like it it almost seems like a movie, like a movie script, but it's an unfortunate truth. But oh man, that that Kobe that Kobe part when they're all in the locker room and he was. I'm like, when he was like, that little Laker boy, he's like, he's going to try to take everyone one-on-one. He's like, he don't wait for the game to come to him. He's just going to take it. And to to see Michael be like, oh, I'm going to give him a one-on-one game. I'm like, it was, it was amazing. And then, you know, you always, you've always seen that clip of them at the All-Star game. And to hear... I guess I guess we we kind of heard it after Kobe died. We heard the story of uh, Michael was just basically like, you know, here's my number if you ever need anything. But to see them have that moment, it was crazy. And shout out the late great Kobe Bryant and his daughter and the other passengers there I'm like their whole family they were a family shout out to them but yeah then that jumps into MJ's last game at MSG I'm like he played in those in those Jordan 1s and and his feet bled I wish they would have showed the the sock though I'm like come on I'm like got this whole documentary crew I'm like I want to see the damn sock Kurt Schilling showed us the sock did it even happen sock eight but yeah, he's bleeding because the shoes ain't what they used to be. Not what they're not used to. I don't I don't even know what I just said, but you know what I mean. The game changes, so do the shoes, all right? They weren't as comfortable as the ones in 98. Oh, but then we go to the dream team. Yeah, 1992 Barcelona. What? A crazier, more wild time. Just insane. I'm like, when they're talking about those practices, like... I'm like, that shit was probably better than the game. And I think one of them actually said that. But I'm like, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, like, Carl Malone, Charles Barkley. Like, I, you know the team. But, um, just crazy to think that it's, like, before before that team, we're just like, yeah, we'll just send out, like, the best, like, college players. It's like, come on, man. I'm like, all these other countries using their A1. I'm like, cut us loose. Let, let us show you how it's done. But Tony Kukoc, he got a raw deal. Him, uh, <laughs> I'm like MJ and uh, and Scottie Pippen just let him have it. They they were abusing that dude and twice because they beat them in the final. And here we go again, Michael Jordan, Petty King hiding the Reebok logo during the gold medal ceremony because Reebok, I guess, paid a whole bunch of money to have them wear those suits. And what does he do? He covers the logo up with an American flag because he's riding for Nike. Crazy. Can't make this up. 
And then it was great to see like all the celebrities jocking where I'm like all these known shitty people just groveling at this man's feet. <sighs> insane, insane. Episode six, we're more than halfway there, but episode six, security guards stealing the show. Yo, the Michael Jordan security guards. Those were my guys. That's who I'd want protecting me. I mean, I'd probably want like an ex-Navy SEAL, but my man who had like the Rick James Jerry Curl killing him. And he was there he was beating Jordan at that at that quarters game. I'm like, it's probably called quarters, and someone's like, Oh, you mean quarters? I'm like, I don't know. But yeah, the Jordan security guards, they were awesome. Oh, and then then in this episode, things start getting dark. This is when we start learning that Jordan is a gambler. I've heard rumors, you know, I've heard references. But uh, it was really prevalent in this documentary that he's a gambling addict. Bad. Then it says, Horace Grant snitched on MJ in a book. Damn. Said he was gambling with everyone. Mo, Joe, little Lou with the Gimby leg. They're like, that's not how that goes at all. Well, that's how it's going to go now. So yeah, Horace Grant snitched on the homie. Said, yeah, I saw Michael Jordan betting on horses. Y'all like Seabiscuit? And then finally, the New York Knicks. I feel like the Knicks got left out of this whole thing hard. But that was an awesome time. Pat Riley... Ewing, John Starks, and I'm like Charles Oakley. Then the Knicks, as they always do, fade away, and then it went to Barkley in the finals. I was like, yes, some more Charles Barkley action after the Dream Team. And it's funny because you know the outcome, but it's like you're still watching the progression of them going through that NBA finals, and you're like, maybe Barkley can can stop them. It's like, you know, you know what's going to happen. Stop lying to yourself. I just want it to happen real bad. Then episode 7, right out the gate, Jordan's father gets killed. Horrific. Terrible. Like, I didn't even know that happened. <laughs> like that. I know, his, I know his father died, but I was like, damn. I'm like, you know how many times I've seen Space Jam? I'm like, I feel like I know his dad. I'm like, even though that wasn't his dad, that was just an actor. But yeah, his, his, his dad gets killed, and then it, we go through that weird 93 retirement, just like, he's like, I'm done. But not really done. <laughs> I'm going to go play baseball. And the baseball the baseball part was pretty cool. Um, like, I've seen Jordan rides the bus the 30 for 30 on ESPN. But uh, I'm glad that in this documentary, they're like, he wasn't as bad as people made him seem. I mean, he drove in 50 runs. I'm like, 50 runs? I'm like, he's contributing. <laughs> and yeah, he was perceived as a bully. That's actually pretty funny because I didn't even see. I didn't even realize that it, it was so out, like so openly out there. I'm like, Chicago Bulls. Bully. I'll let you decide. But episode eight, MJ got mad at BJ Armstrong. I also put like he wasn't talking trash too. 
and it's true and in, in like all these episodes and all these like games and all the archive footage i'm like bro this guy talking about michael jordan i'm like he's serving it up hot like i'm like it's just that he's dominating we rarely ever see him lose he did lose early on in his career i'm like but of course that's the, we don't we don't see all that that trash talking footage then whether he did trash talking even when he was not that great at the start of his NBA career. Actually, not even that great. It's just he, he he didn't have he didn't really have a team around him. I'm like, the dude never sucked. But yeah, I'm like, he's getting mad at BJ Armstrong on who the Charlotte Hornets. I'm like, who Jordan actually owns now. I'm like, remember when they were the Bobcats? That was weird. I'm glad that that stopped being a thing. It's funny because people people were quick to jump on the OKC bandwagon, but they were like, Bobcats? I'm like, give me the Hornet. Oh, well, New Orleans Hornets, and then they became the Pelicans. Terrible. I'm like, I could do a whole episode on that, but stupid. You know, <laughs> I wrote it. MJ, the king of petty. And I think I think the one that takes the cake has to be the LeBradford Smith fake story. LeBradford Le Smith from the Bullets apparently had a good game against Jordan and said, "Hey, Mike." After the game, after the game says, "Hey, Mike, good game." And they were playing a back to back, but they were actually going to go play in D.C. And then Mike goes off. And then everyone's like, oh, well, that's because he said, good game, Mike, like after after the Bulls lost. I'm like, the fuck? I'm like, you were just, I'm like, you were just complaining that Isaiah Thomas didn't shake your hand. Now someone's giving you gratitude and now you're going to, you're going to spin this. But uh, the, the craziest part about that story is that he made it up. So he's like, yeah, I just needed some motivation. So take that however you want. That's uh, it's pretty petty, but I can't say that I'm against it. I enjoy being petty at times, and this was some good petty. Oh, and then I love that um, when he comes back from baseball, he just sends in a fax saying I'm back. Very Barry Sanders esque. When Barry Sanders was just like, I'm gonna retire. I'm gonna send it in to the uh, Wichita, whatever. I'm like, and then he comes out of baseball retirement, and then everyone's like, oh, well, your body, you've been training for for a different sport, which is very true. I never even thought about that with him coming back. And then it did not go well for him when he came back, you know. He comes back, like Jordan, wearing the 4-5, not to play games with you, but to aim at you, probably maim you, but... Where's the 45 and then puts on his shorts backwards. I even put a little LOL because what you're telling me the greatest basketball player arguably is gonna wear his shorts backwards. That's a, uh, that's a rec league rookie mistake, but he's also the God. But he switches back to 23, and the team starts doing better, but they fall to the Orlando Magic in the 95 Eastern Conference Final. You know that Shaq and Penny team. Oh, and Horace Grant was there. 
I've seen the Shaq and Penny, I guess just the Orlando Magic documentary, like I said, another 30 for 30. And it's funny because, like, you're seeing, you're obviously, <laughs> these are accounts of events that happen, but to just see them kind of intersect, it's almost like a, and it was on ESPN, it's almost like uh, an Avengers type meeting where it's like, oh, well, we know the whole backstory with that team. Now it's like, <sighs> They met up with this team that uh w- was in a, in kind of a dysfunctional time to say the least, but they they definitely took advantage of them, and that's what you got to do. I mean, hey, it's why they're calling them the the greatest basketball dynasty maybe ever, but you know the Celtics probably take that. Just saying, but then hey, Space Jam, yeah, woo. I was just waiting for it <laughs> the entire series. I'm like, when are they going to get the Space Jam? They finally did, and I loved it. <laughs> they built Jordan a gym. How cool was that? And then he just had pickup games with whoever he wanted, and it, it looked like an all-star team. I'm like, yeah, you had Robin out there, and I'm like, um, Reggie Miller. I don't know if David Robinson was out there, but I'm like, I'm sure the Admiral had to had to have stopped by at some point. I'm like Carl Malone too. And I love I love how Phil Jackson said that was like just as important as him getting back. Like Phil Jackson knew like how important that like this film was gonna be. Just cause he's a spiritual guy. He he probably could see into the future. But um yeah, he knew Space Jam was was something else. Oh, man, but then Jordan hits Steve Kerr, and then he proclaims, I just hit the littlest guy on the fucking court. Shake my damn head. Anger. It gets the best of us. Then Jordan gets his revenge on the Magic in the 96 Eastern Conference Final, and the Bulls move on to play the Supersonics. That was was fun. And right off the bat, George Carl makes MJ mad by blowing him off in a restaurant, which is which is pretty messed up, but MJ's going to run with that because Petty is what Petty does. And I love it. It was great, man. He wins his first championship without his dad. And on Father's Day, it was a very emotional scene when he's when he's in the locker room crying with the trophy. So, Great editing there. That's how the eighth episode ended. Episode nine, only two left. I love, I love that they gave Reggie Miller his own little, his own little segment because he definitely deserved it. When Reggie was, I guess, a rookie and he was trying to get Jordan, he was trying to get in Jordan's head, and Jordan had to show him who who was king real fast. And afterwards, he proclaims, "Don't talk trash to Black Jesus." I'm sure that was a reference into Reggie saying, I thought you were Michael Jordan. I thought you could walk on water. So I don't think Jordan walks around proclaiming himself to be black Jesus. I think that was just in a, I think that was just in a response to what Reggie Miller said. And if he does, that's his business. But the 98 Pacers were good. I'm like, that's another ESPN documentary that we kind of knew, but I'm like, Mark Jackson and Chris Mullen mixed with Jalen Rose and Reggie Miller. 
that's a pretty decent squad right there. Oh, and how about that blonde-haired lady just screaming at the game? I'm like, Indiana housewife? Woof. Nothing against anybody from Indiana. I've been out there before, but damn. You know that lady's I you know that lady's not playing around. I'm like, she'll beat somebody's ass. Oh, and then probably the most the most mind-blowing thing that comes out of this documentary series, arguably, but definitely like top five, maybe top three, uh, is the fact that the flu game was actually the food poisoning game. I'm like, five guys drop off that suspicious pizza and, and Lord knows what they probably did to it, or I don't know, maybe it wasn't their fault, but uh that that I, I can only imagine the the gross shit they probably did to that if they didn't intentionally poison him, which is just wrong. You call yourself a restaurant? Shame on you. If I was MJ, I would have put a hex on them. Hope your business goes dry in six weeks. Bitch. But even then, he was still a team player. He was like, maybe I could be a decoy, uh, but I'm going to go out there. And I'm like, shout out to the dude. He's like, might not be able to play at my, uh, you know, at my full potential, but damn it if I'm going to sit here and, and not contribute to us winning a championship. And this is this is probably why this episode is arguably my favorite, um, because who would have known that Steve Kerr stole the show, or or rather Steve Kerr would steal the show. I mean, you hear him in interviews now, and obviously, like I said, we know the history of what's going to happen, but now with like the details that you're getting right here. It was like, it, it made it all that more meaningful. And shout out to the team for the editing because the editing is what made it. But Steve Kerr's backstory is his dad getting killed. And then uh, hits that game winner. That is my favorite image in the entire documentary series when he just, he has his arms open looking to the sky. And I'm just like, oh man, this what more could you want from sports gets me every time. And once again, this security team winning my heart. I, I wrote another note saying the security team is the unsung characters. Oh, and then, and then I got I got to say Gus let his his right hand and Jordan's right hand man getting the game ball at the end of game 7. That's crazy, man. That's crazy respect. And you could tell that that meant the world to that guy. I'm like and then my heart grew three sizes. Episode 10. The end of the saga. First note, Utah looks miserable. And it does. Oh my goodness. You always hear of these terrible Utah stories from the players, nonetheless. And then, you know, Rudy Gobert screwing everybody out of NBA action this year. I mean... Not to joke around, but he really did mess up. Then Dennis Rodman added once again, leaving after Game Three of the Finals to go to go do WCW. I mean, wow! I mean, that's a legendary clip of him on Nitro. But to know the backstory now, I'm like, I've seen that so many times. Like even when I was a kid. But uh, after you're in the finals and what? Um, 
Yeah, I didn't get that. Uh, and then that was great. One of my favorite moments is just the media relations guy casually trying to sneak Rodman through like a back door onto the bus after he makes his first return after bailing on practice to go to go do WCW. Uh, shout out to that guy. Uh, Carl Malone, class act. I've always liked Carl Malone. Uh, I saw Bomani Jones tweeted something out like, who actually liked Carl Malone? I liked Carl Malone, damn it. I'm like, if you like to play defense, I'm like, and shout out Gary Payton too, because I'm like, I was a big Gary Payton fan, even when he did go to the Lakers. That's just good defense, man. You got no, I mean, like, Gary Payton wasn't huge, but I'm like, Carl Malone was a big man. So I'm like, when you're a kid, that I'm like, that's how you should be watching. And then the last note I had was uh, Phil Jackson, just an, an amazing thinker aside from being a coach. You know, they all they all do that exercise where they kind of wrote what the team meant to them and then they burned it. It was awesome. MJ wrote a poem. Uh, yeah. And let me just say, like I said, I love this documentary in a way. I know. And I had watched the uh, the magic johnson and the larry bird documentary like years ago i'm like i think that came out i want to say around like 2007 2010 maybe earlier um but still irks me that isaiah thomas got left off the dream team um i i would have rather see him go there than leitner and i'm like christian leitner from duke but um you know, obviously, I feel like Magic Johnson and Michael Jordan had the final say in that. They were both like, hmm, guy's kind of a dickhead, more than Charles Oakley. But <sighs> I'm like, if I'm not mistaken, after watching the Magic Johnson documentary on ESPN, I'm like, didn't Isaiah Thomas, like, not want to play with him? I'm like, because he tested HIV positive, which I get it. We weren't as educated as a nation as we are now, but still, I'm like, that was your boy. You got to stick by him if, like, something bad happens. You know, some people like Horace Grant were kind of uh, mad, I guess, because they said Michael had final say. But I'm like, bro, that documentary crew, even though Michael Jordan played a significant part in that story, did a story on the final season of the Chicago Bulls, not just Michael Jordan. So I don't think Jordan was influencing the final product. And if he was, then shame on the documentary crew. I'm like, that's not how you operate. But yeah, I loved it. It was exactly what we needed right now. I'm like, we're still, we're thirsty for sports right now. We're, we're, we're in them DMS. (laughs) We're, uh, we're in those sports DMS right now. You know, are you up? And just a great five weeks of sports media. It was great to see the debates and uh, and all the comments. What are you talking about, loser? So, like, three questions I really kind of asked at the end of this was, like, is MJ the best player of all time? What's your, yeah, what's your top five? I'm going to say my top five, but I want to hear what yours is. And would the Bulls have won seven? All right, well, since, uh... Since we're here, let's just answer it. Is MJ the best player of all time after seeing this? And I still considered him, but yes. I think MJ's number one, just based on the fact that he was a major competitor. And we still haven't seen something like that.
I mean, to leave a team and then be a little rusty, but to 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 do two three-peats, like, that's crazy. That's insane. As for my top five, here, I'll start at the bottom. We'll go, we'll go ass the front. Yeah, but <laughs> number five, Bill Russell. More rings than fingers. I'm like, pretty much speaks for itself. I'm like, I'm getting my... I'm getting my my Celtics vote in there, but I'm like, it's well-deserved. It's not just, I'm like, oh, well, you know, a Celtic needs to, no, he deserves to be there. I'm like, what is it? The finals MVP trophy or the finals trophy is, is named after, is named after, I'm pretty sure it's the finals MVP trophy, but the man has stain in the game. Number four, Shaq, the diesel. You know, got to give Shaq credit for just being, like, a transcendent star. I'm like, movie star, clothing, advertisements. And I'm like, he got rings. Also putting on for the big men. Number three, LeBron. I know a lot of people are going to be mad about that. But, yes, LeBron James deserves to be in the top five. Have you ever watched that man play? He was designed to play basketball. Like, he literally can't do anything else. I don't mean that in like a disrespectful way. Don't don't start throwing that more than an athlete shit at me. I'm sure there 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 are some other things that he can do, but let's be honest. I'm like his although he works at his talent, his God-given talent is basketball. He's filth like he is filthy. <laughs> he can walk into a room anywhere on planet Earth and everybody knows exactly who he is and what he does. Not to mention, he could probably play tight end in the NFL, which I don't know if he could take a hit, but regardless, I'm like, you don't want that guy, a guy that size, running at you with the ball or trying to tackle a guy that size. Number two, Kobe Bryant. Um, I feel like we always have the MJ LeBron discussion, but really, I'm like, Kobe is better than LeBron. So not just saying that because he passed. I'm like, I've always... I've always gave Kobe the rank right before LeBron because I'm like, Kobe proved it. I'm like, the only team he lost to was the Celtics. And I'm like, I got to I gotta give you love for that because he, he came back and he beat them. So, And then number one, MJ. Yes, like I said, I think he's the best of all time. Uh, this was a great treat. And I'm not just giving him the number one spot because of this before any of this, even when I would watch the other documentaries, it was pretty clear the way everybody spoke about him that they have no grievance with saying he is the best. And he proved it. It was a great event, though. And a uh, shout-out to the documentary crew for putting together such an amazing five-week experience. Let's be sure to stand outside their houses and clap. But The Last Dance was amazing. Answered a lot of questions, also opened up a lot of questions. And now I'm curious what, what really happened to Jordan's father. It's definitely in the sports conspiracy theory bin. And uh, it'll definitely be tackled. Aside from getting a great documentary, we also got some good news as the NHL is planning on coming back. Let's look it up. Says the NHL adopts 24-team playoff if season returns. All right. Well, we're not in the clear yet. It's if the season returns. So it looks like the NHL is going to abandon, you know, all the regu- the rest of the regular season. We're just going to go right to playoffs. 
with 24 teams instead of 16. So it looks like Commissioner Gary Bettman was really gung-ho on them finishing out this season. Says they're going to play 82 games next year. Oh, but it says, while the players and the NHL have agreed on a format, the NHL Players Association has not formally approved any actual return to finish the season. Could be just a bunch of hooey. Blah, blah, blah. Safety protocols. They're important, but not in my not in my sports. This ain't cute. All right, what are some other? I don't want to hear about the NHL draft. So it looks like the Hurricanes and the Lightning were the only teams whose representatives voted against it. Which I'm surprised because Florida's just been open for everything. They're not even caring right now. And I'm like, UFC's been down there. WWE's been down there. But it says the games will be held inside empty arenas at two hub cities where players, staff, and others would be housed during the season restart. And the cities that they're considering are Chicago, Columbus, Dallas, Edmonton, Las Vegas, Los Angeles, Minneapolis, Pittsburgh, Toronto, and Vancouver. I'm like, send me to Vegas. <laughs> Please. But it says the uh, the top four in each conference ranked by points percentage, Boston, Tampa Bay, Washington, and Philadelphia. And Philadelphia, what am I doing in the East? And St. Louis, Colorado, Las Vegas, and Dallas in the West. Says they will be played with regular season overtime and shootout rules. Says the remaining 16 teams seeded by conference will play best of five play-in series. Uh, looks like they, it's the same playoff rules. So it would, it would be uh, it would be Pittsburgh versus Montreal. This would... This would this is what it would be like when they come back in the East. It would be Pittsburgh versus Montreal, then Carolina versus the Rangers, then the Islanders versus Florida, uh, Toronto versus Columbus, and then in the West, it would be Edmonton versus Chicago, Nashville versus Arizona, Vancouver versus Minnesota, and then Calgary and Winnipeg. It just sounds cold there, so I, I'm i not going to root for them. But this is great news. Um, I'm not going to knock the NHL. At least we're getting some type of sports back. But this is great. I'm like, we're, it's exciting. Hopefully we're getting back to having sports. Even though I don't think that we'll be able to attend for a while, but it's still nice to have them on TV. You know, I really hope that uh, that basketball figures out something. But I think by football, football coming back strong. NFL's like, we ain't taking no time off. Like, we'll play in an empty stadium. We, we ain't starting late. We ain't taking no time off. You know, that's why football is king, though. I think once once we get a little more clearance, we can kind of dive in to more of this hockey scenario. I'm not going to do a deep dive because the way this year has been going, uh, who who knows if this will even happen? I hope it does. Um, I probably even I I love hockey, but uh, I probably if it does come back and there's nothing else on, best believe uh, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be watching back to back games. 
but I just can't wait for football season. I, I don't think football is going to be affected at all. And the people who don't think that we're going to play football this year are hoes. NFL ain't going nowhere. They're preparing for it, though. I mean, I, I even read something about high school football. They want them to wear masks come training camp. I'm like, yeah, good luck wearing uh, a face mask during 90-degree to uh, two-a-days. I'm like, they're setting these kids up for slaughter. But uh, New York governor said sports teams are good to practice professionally, professional sports teams. And uh, the New York area, they definitely need some practice. Thanks for stopping by. Please let us know what your NBA top five is. If you're not already, follow us on social media. Like I said on Instagram, it's at Fresh Cookies Show. On Twitter, it's at Fresh Cookies Pod. Like and subscribe to my channel. You know, all, all that good stuff. Yes, I'm selling out. It's been real, though. Uh, definitely watch out. We we have a, a wild weather episode coming up. It, it was a holiday weekend, damn it. All right, I was celebrating my birthday, but we're going to get this train back on track. We uh We got some good weather stories for you. But everything's subject to change, so don't be holding me to it. Shout out to all the essential workers and the first responders. If no one's told y'all today, I'ma tell you, y'all cute. Alright, well that's gonna do it for us. I'm Nary Rodriguez, and you already know, it's Fresh Cookies! Cookies!